Thanks for listening to today's message. We hope that it will encourage you and help you live out your faith in everyday life. Make sure to download our church app by typing Comox Pentecostal into Google Play or the App Store to enjoy more podcasts, Bible resources, giving options, and more. somebody say it. That was great. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. You know, we just love to keep you on your toes with those bumper videos. Last time we were all shouting, hey, and this time it sounds like you're in one of those awkward spas with the music that you don't really get. Uh, And you're like, all right, I'm just going to go with this here. So simplify. My name is Laura. Uh, If I haven't met you before, I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, my husband, Mike, um, that's my husband. He's a good, he's a good guy. (laughs) Uh, So we're in this series, Simplify. And today we're going to be talking about the spiritual discipline of contentment. How many of you know that that is not something that really comes natural to us anymore. Uh, So we're going to go into that. But I was thinking about like, you know, this whole thing of contentment. And it's actually more discontentment that is easier to kind of come up with examples and and everything. And just thinking about like how I grew up as a kid. And do you remember live television? (laughs) Like when you had to wait a whole week to watch a new episode of something? Now we just binge watch entire seasons in a row. In fact, like some people will stay up all night long to watch a, the, the most recent season of a show. And, but it wasn't always like that. Like I remember dial-up internet. Remember having to wait for the internet or share it with your brother who's on the phone? That was, uh, that was rough. I remember having to wait. What was that game? Oh, shoot. Now I can't remember it. Oh, somebody already knows. The one with the, this, where you waited and you had to settle and you had to buy stuff and Oregon Trail. And it was like a green, black screen and things have changed. Now we have everything instantly. Everything is instant gratification. We have Amazon Prime. You can go on the internet and literally order anything you want and it'll be here tomorrow or today. Well, not in the Comox Valley. We don't have that yet, but... But seriously, we should, right? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I'm not going to complain about the same-day delivery while I'm preaching on contentment. But um, we have all of this at our fingertips. It's so easy to indulge ourselves in more and more. And that's exactly how society wants it. I have a little video clip. It was easy to think about... Um, kids' movies that have, you know, talked about this whole thing of discontentment. And this is one of my favorite um, Disney, I think it's, it's Pixar, I think. Don't shoot me if you don't like Disney. I just, it's just a good message, and we're going to just watch this together. I think it's a beautiful depiction of discontentment. My goodness, what a remarkable legacy. Concern for the common robot. You don't come across old-fashioned values like that anymore, friends. And for good reason. There's no money in it! Hello! Memo to Big Well. 
We're not a charity. That's why old Fatface no longer sits in the big chair. He's a relic. So, oh, let's get down to the business of sucking every loose penny out of Mr. and Mrs. Average Knucklehead. What's our big ticket item? Upgrades, people, upgrades. That's how we make the dough. Now, if we're telling robots that no matter what they're made of, they're fine, how can we expect them to feel crummy enough about themselves to buy our upgrades and make themselves look better? Therefore, I've come up with a new slogan. Why be you when you can be new? I gotta tell you, I think it's brilliant, but, but... <laughs> Why be you when you can be new? I feel that one. I think we all do. That is the message of society. That movie is called Robots, by the way. It's fantastic. Robin Williams, it's one of his best animated voice over movies. It is so funny. Great message, though, about being content with who we are. That's the moral of that movie and making a difference with what we have. So we're going to talk today about contentment, the spiritual discipline of it. Let's pray. Thank you, King Jesus, that you're here with us. Thank you that you gave us the Holy Spirit, that in this moment, he is here, he is with us, he is speaking. And so we prepare our hearts. We open our ears to what you would have to say to us. Would you teach me this morning, Lord? Reveal to me the areas of my life where I am happily sitting in discontentment. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So what is discontentment? I think we'll just talk about that for a moment. All of Western culture is built upon you being discontent. Last week, uh, Mike shared a quote about one of the, who cares who talked about it, but it was a founding someone. And they talked about, <laughs> we need to shift people's minds from a need-based mentality to a want-based mentality. So discontentment is allowing whatever is just over the horizon that you either don't have yet or you can't have for some reason to steal your joy and your fulfillment in life. That new job, it's the grass is greener basically, isn't it? The new house, a different one, it's just slightly bigger, slightly newer. I'm married. I don't want to be married. I have that 10 pounds. If I could just lose that 10 pounds, then I would be happy. If you have curly hair, you probably want straight hair. And if you have straight hair, you probably want curly hair. Your iPhone is not the newest and the best. And if it is, there's a new one coming out soon. Sneaker culture. You guys, there's an actual sneaker culture about having the best, most expensive, fanciest pairs of sneakers. I got my shoes today at uh, Salvation Army, I think for $1.99 or something, so I'm not feeding that today. I have nice shoes, some nice shoes. That car, when you're driving in your car and it does one of those awkward gurgles when you turn it off and I've had one of those cars and what do we want? A better car. And when we finally do get that thing that we want or achieve that thing that we've been working so hard to finally get, society changes the trend. 
in order to keep us buying. How many times has diet culture changed its methods, you guys? Atkins, keto, the maker's diet, the, the fasting, all of these things. It's just a cycle to keep us buying and keeping us discontent. When you finally grow your eyebrows to a big enough size, and then all of a sudden they're supposed to be skinny again. I just can't keep up. <laughs> For decades, Western women have wanted small butts. Now it's big butts. I didn't, never mind. <laughs> it is impossible to keep up. Why? Because society is setting an unattainable standard. And every time we feel like we're finally attaining it, they change it. And it's to keep us discontent. It's to keep us insecure. It's to sell us something that we think will fix our happiness and our lives. Mike shared a stat last week that in any given day, you and I are exposed to four to 10,000 advertisements in one day. We had a really good laugh about it afterwards because we have our own giant logos <laughs> plastered on the walls here. Even in church, you see Yamaha, you see Mapex, you see whatever these drums are, you see all kinds of advertisements in your face and up close trying to sell you discontentment. I want to talk about a couple of thieves that steal the joy out of contentment. The first is comparison. We're going to get to scripture today, by the way. <laughs> comparison. We've talked about societies having set a standard, but how do you set a standard? It's by comparing one set of some things to another. Comparing one to another is what creates those standards. And let me tell you, comparison will steal your joy. Comparison will steal your contentment. I think it was uh, Theodore Roosevelt and Mark Twain. It was that good that they both said it in the same lifetime. They lived around the same time. That comparison is the thief of joy. And Mark Twain said the death of joy. What is comparison? The Bible uses a different word. The Bible uses the word coveting. I'm going to read a quote to you from Daryl Johnson. He writes, if we break the first commandment, what's the first commandment? That's right. You should have no other gods before me. Then we will always and automatically break the tenth. What's the tenth commandment? Don't covet. Don't covet. We become souls running on empty, desiring anything and everything that can fill the hole that is in our soul. Is it any wonder that a post-Christian society like ours should increasingly become more and more materialistic and more and more pleasure-oriented? We once we no longer find our satisfaction in God, we try to find it anywhere and everywhere else. We become addicted to what we think will satisfy us. Coveting is a sign of a broken world and a broken relationship with God. 
He created the world to be a place where our needs would be perfectly met by him and one another. In such a world, satisfaction would be the norm, but we don't live in Eden anymore. Friends, we were created, the human heart was created to fully and completely be satisfied in God and God alone. That's the way we were created. That's the way we were functioning in the Garden of Eden with him and with one another. But sin broke that. Greed broke that. And now our natural desire is to not be satisfied. And we seek to fill that hole with, as Johnson said, anything and everything. But ultimately it will never be satisfied by anything else than God. When we compare ourselves to one another, if I only had her hair, if I only looked that way, if I only had that job, if I only this, or it must be nice to have that, or it must be nice to be able to go there and have that holiday, or it must be nice to do this, we keep ourselves in a perpetual cycle of dissatisfaction and discontentment. We have to come back to allowing God to be the one that satisfies. He's the one that, upon which we can measure our joy and find him. The second thief of contentment is worry. This is a big one. And Jesus talks about it in Luke chapter 12. We're going to read a, a, a little bit of a hefty passage of scripture here. These are the words of Jesus and how beautiful they are. Jesus said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear, for life is more than food and the body is more than clothes. Consider the ravens, they do not sow or reap, they have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than birds. This is, this is Jesus talking to us. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? I love that he says this very little thing. This is just a side note. Um, because adding an hour to your life is actually, for humans, impossible. So it's therefore not a little thing. But to God, it's a little thing. Jesus is showing us there that to him, that's a little thing that he can do, but only he can do it. Since we can't do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider the wildflowers. They do not labor or spin, and yet I tell you that even King Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow, it's thrown into the fire, or your dog rips it up and it's pure mud in the backyard. How much more will he clothe you? Do not worry. Pagans, the pagans in the world run after these things, but your father knows that you need them. And here, I love this, but seek first his kingdom, and all of these things will be given to you as well. Jesus is telling us there, I am the one that can add an hour of life. You are not. I know your needs and I care about them. Think about the birds. Think about the flowers. 
They do nothing except exist, and God cares for them. He feeds them, and even more so will he do the same for you. When we allow ourselves to worry about tomorrow, and I think that this last season of COVID has been, you know, there's been a lot of cause for worry. We don't know what's happening. We don't know what the government is up to. We don't know what motives are driving which forces and entities. We don't know if our paychecks are secure. There's a lot to think about. There's a lot of unanswered questions in our lives right now. But my friends, when we truly and fully grasp that the King Jesus, that the King knows our needs, and if we seek him, all of these other things will be added. We don't have to worry about tomorrow, no matter the circumstances. It may turn out awesome. It actually may not. Things may continue to get worse before they get better. Can I get an amen? <laughs> I was just trying to wake you all up because you're looking scared. Um, our lives may not go the direction that we think, but I want to tell you that no matter your circumstance, you can have peace. You can be content. But it takes work. Worry and comparison, fear, all of these things are thieves of our contentment. And they are indicators that we have replaced God with a counterfeit. As Daryl Johnson said, if you break the first commandment, which is idolatry, not keeping God at the center, we will always break the last one. And it's okay to have unfulfilled desires. It's okay to have dreams. It's okay to have aspirations. I'm not, this message today isn't me saying just give up on life. <laughs> it's good to have dreams, to have goals, to have desires. I dream of waterfront property one day with forest as well. I want all, the, I want all of it on one perfect property and I'm gonna have a big old house and my mom calls hers grandma house. I want grandma's house too for my grandbabies one day. But if I allow that unfulfilled desire to dictate my joy in my current circumstance, then I've lost the focus and it's become a God in my life. Contentment is living in such a way that our unfulfilled desires no longer curb our happiness. God will satisfy. He is provider. Everything that you and I have is from him. That hard work that has been built into you, that drive, that is from the Lord. That musical ability, that is from the Lord. Your ability to host and have hospitality, that gift, that is from God everything that we have, and if we seek him first, everything that we need will be added. We will have enough. Jesus said in John 10, I have come that you might have life and life to the full. It says right before that that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. What is the thief and what's he out to steal and kill and destroy? Well, today, we're using that 
to, to point to the fact that all he has to do is keep you discontent. He will steal your joy and he won't feel bad about it one bit. Let's turn to Philippians 4. I love this passage. We're gonna learn from Paul today. Philippians 4, verse 13. I'm sure most of you in this room know this scripture. It's, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We've used that in many, many, many different contexts before. But do you know the actual context? Let's read two verses before that. This is Paul speaking to the church. He says, I'm not saying this. He was talking about some, some stuff. Uh, because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in plenty, and I know what it is to be in need. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether it being fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, here it is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What can he do? He can be content. I like this scripture, I like the word. Paul says, I have learned to be content. I have learned the secret of being content. So that tells us two things. First of all, that it doesn't come natural to us anymore. And even the great apostle Paul had to learn to be content. The second thing is that it essentially tells us that it takes practice. Even for the great Paul, it takes practice to be content in our hearts. Paul, you know, he said, I've learned to live with much and I've learned to live with little. Um, scholars have long debated his situation. Um, before he was a believer in Jesus, he was a very, what most scholars will agree on is that his family of origin was very affluent. Um, they were likely of considerable means and status. His father was a Pharisee and a Roman citizen. And at that time, in Eastern Mediterranean, only 1% of men were Roman citizens. So if Paul fit into that category, it's a very good indicator of very high status in his family of origin. He was very well educated. Likely he had private tutors. He was educated in Tarsus, uh, which was essentially the Greek epicenter for the philosophical and literary education. So he had the best of the best in Greek education. And then most of his education came in Jerusalem where he was uh, privately tutored by the revered scholar Gamaliel. I could have just pressed the button to hear the guy say it on the internet uh, in the, the Bible app that I was using, but I didn't, so it's just Gamaliel this morning. <laughs> At that time, in that day and age, there was no such thing as equal opportunity scholarships. You had to have significant family resource to be educated in the way that Paul was educated. Paul knew what it was like to have power and authority. At a very young age, he was given the authority in the Sanhedrin to arrest Christians and persecute them. Younger than most, actually. But Paul made an enormous sacrifice when he became a believer in Jesus. And he experienced great hardship. So he had much 
And let's talk about some of his hardships, the little. People were constantly, constantly accusing Paul of being a false prophet. He was in and out of court all the time. He was seemingly always having to defend himself. Um, one preacher said, when Paul went into a town, he didn't ask what the hotels were like. He asked what the jails were like because he knew that was likely where he was going to end up. <laughs> Paul was scourged multiple times in the synagogue. Whipped. That's a fancy word for whipped. He was beaten. In the, you know, when you read through his books and letters, he uses words like many afflictions, suffering, being burdened excessively, he had shipwrecks. He talks of sleeplessness, hunger, hardships, insults, persecutions, distresses, difficulties. I think about Pride and Prejudice when they, those ladies are talking to each other. Debaucheries. There was so much in his life. And we don't know if he had to give up all of his wealth um, when he was traveling on the road. We don't know, you know how comfortably he lived, but we do know that there were intense moments of deep struggle in his life. So when Paul says that he has learned to live with much or little, we can know that this is a trustworthy source. So how did he learn it? What is the secret? In Philippians 3 verse 8, just a few verses earlier, he says, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. Paul grasped the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. He knew him. He understood what it meant to seek him first and all of these things would be added. He trusted that God knows my needs. In verse four, uh, Philippians, in verse 19 of chapter 4, he says that my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Paul learned to trust in the provision of the Father, regardless of his earthly circumstance. And just a little bit earlier in the beginning of chapter 4, the other secret to Paul's contentment is this, in verse four. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and hear the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. You cannot have a spirit of gratitude when you're caught up in coveting and discontentment. It's impossible. Our gratitude is sucked away when the focus of our life is what we do not have. But it is so possible to restore that. And I wanna talk to you this morning just five simple things about breaking the cycle of discontentment in our lives and learning the spiritual discipline of living in contentment. The first is to recognize and reject discontentment propaganda for what it is. It's a lie. You should be healthy, but you don't have to look a certain way in order to fit 
into that category of being a healthy person. Be healthy. Don't chase after something that the world is trying to tell you you need. It's propaganda. I was reading a book recently, actually this one that we're, uh, a lot of the information that we're talking about is coming from. And he, the, the, the writer in the book sits with his kids when they're watching TV and every commercial, they turn it into a game to point out the lie in the, in the commercial. So what's it telling me that I need when I don't need it? And they've, as a family, they've turned it into a game. Um, I think that's a great idea. The second thing is to cultivate an appreciation for creation and the simple things in life. The ROI is so much greater in our lives when we embrace and have an appreciation for creation and those little things than adding items and material possessions to our life. Because as soon as you get the latest Apple Watch, somebody else you'll see will have something better and all of a sudden that thing that you just bought is an idiot and you don't want it anymore. Enjoy the ocean. Look at where we live. I know we haven't experienced spring yet and summer's just around the corner. I've decided to just dress like summer to like, I don't know if it'll help. No, just joking. I'm not, I'm not going weird on you there, but um, enjoy. Look at where we live. Embrace it. Take time out of your schedule. After dinner, drive to Goose Spit and just be out there. Let it fill your soul. Go for a drive or don't because gas prices are insane right now. Go for a walk. <laughs> Borrow your child's scooter <laughs> or bicycle. Take a moment. Appreciate the things that you can never own but that God has given to us for free. Singing birds in the morning, though they start earlier and earlier, every morning, before you get frustrated with them for waking you up, just stop and listen to the melody that they're singing. I can hear them right now. Enjoy a beautiful sunset. Roxy takes the most stunning pictures of sunsets almost every night. Just be her friend on Facebook and you can enjoy the sunsets from online. <laughs> enjoy laughter with friends. Enjoy the right good cup of coffee in the morning. Just embrace it and enjoy it. And even better if you get to have it when it's hot. Moms, I know you're with me on that one. Appreciate the simple things. Sit and watch your kids every once in a while. Like, just watch what they do. They're hilarious and they're weird and they're very entertaining. If we sit and we put devices down and we just take a moment to enjoy them. Our gratitude grows, our contentment grows when we cultivate an appreciation for creation. The third thing is simple, to know and to trust Jesus. It's actually not that simple, it takes a lot of work. But Jesus, as he said, I have come that you might have life and life to the full. Friends, there is a way to live a full life. And it'll cost you something. It'll cost you probably a lot of things that you think you need now. But it can be found in Jesus. 
And let me tell you that the cost of discontentment is actually greater than the cost of getting to know Jesus. The cost of discontentment is our joy. It's our peace. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Gentleness. It's our kindness. Think of the things that we have to give up in order to keep up with society and what they're trying to sell us. The fourth thing is take gratitude to a whole new level. Just like make yourself feel uncomfortable with how much gratitude you're having. I have a little video, don't roll it just yet, but of um, our daughter Lucy, this was her first Christmas. She would have been eight months old. So like she's just learned how to sit up pretty much. And I just want you to see her face when she receives her very first gift. It's just so cute. Okay. This is from Darth Father. Wow, and the look on Lucy's face is so surprised. Darth Vader's little princess. <laughs> and she immediately eats it. <laughs> uh, I just love it. Lucy has always been like on social, like she's just, she's so sharp. But I love that at eight months old, that look, and it probably wasn't gratitude. It might have been the noise of the paper. I don't know. But just that like, and it's a book. Like, what is a book to an eight-month-old baby? And so she eats it. Like, <laughs> practice gratitude. Be thankful for what you have. Make a list of things that you're grateful for. When our kids are struggling to go to sleep at night, usually it's because fear or worry, uh, is, those things are creeping in. So we tell our kids to lay in bed and to think of a hundred things that they're grateful for. See if you can exhaust the list. I guarantee you can't if you sit down and think through the things that you have in your life to be grateful for. This is a tough one, but taking gratitude to a whole other level that grows contentment in our lives means that we're able to rejoice with others when they are blessed. When we can take genuine joy in someone else's blessing. We know that our hearts are content. Practice gratitude. Take it to a whole new level. And the last thing is to eliminate unhealthy, unhelpful, and excessive belongings in our lives. Pastor Trevor is going to talk more about this. And of course, we're doing the Sela thing. Um, what's it called when you do it? Who cares? We're doing sell a thing right now. And sell something. Get rid of things in your life that are excessive or unhelpful. You know that there are things in your, in your life and, and in my life as well that are contributing to the cycle of discontentment in your life? Sell it. Give it to somebody else to be discontent with. <laughs> Make a practice of evaluating in your life. What do I need? What really do I need? Measure your joy. Are you lacking joy in your life? This message, uh, this whole series, you guys, is 
um, it's easy to talk about. Like I, I, I could stand up here and talk about contentment. You know, it's, there's a lot of easy answers to fill in, but the truth is that I struggle with being content. I struggle with the things in my life that I feel, you know, the places that I should be at at this point as an almost 37-year-old person. I should have this. I should have that. I should be at this point. I should be able to have this thing figured out by now. I should be able to do this and that. One of the things that has been a, a something of discontentment in my life is as a worship leader, watching my friends get invited to lead worship at conferences. Why, are, why am I not? Well, where's the source of that, you guys? It's discontentment. God has put me where I am for a reason. And I'm, thank, just so you know, I'm at the place now. I've worked through that. Um, I don't need to be invited to sing at a conference, to be seen by thousands, to be noticed. I'm over that. But for a long time, that stole my joy. And I had trouble celebrating when my friends in the same group got invited to go do really cool things. And I had that for a little while in my life. But the struggle is real and we compare ourselves and it steals our joy. And so today I ask you, what is the source of your joy? Who is the source of your joy and your contentment? And if you put it on Jesus, your joy will rise. Ask yourself, do I spend time comparing myself and my belongings to others? Ask yourself, what is my general satisfaction level in life? Ask myself, am I allowing my unfulfilled desires to diminish my joy and my contentment today? And then ask Jesus to give you the strength to release those things to God. I can do all these things through Christ who strengthens me. It's not a, a, a message of sitting here and feeling bad for feeling greedy and, and no, we have an answer. We have a solution that Jesus gives to us and it's himself. It's his presence. It's the opportunity to be fully and completely satisfied and fulfilled in my life no matter the circumstances because I have Jesus. I have the promise of hope and eternal life in his glory. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Wouldn't you rather just live like not worrying about all these things and not comparing ourselves? I think about it and it just feels like, oh yeah, I wanna feel content, I want that. I don't have that. That's something that you can chase after is the presence of King Jesus. I wonder if we could stand together. And we're not gonna have the worship team come back up today and we'll be content with that. Um, I just thought maybe instead of that that we would just take a moment 
to consider some of these questions in our own lives and allow the Holy Spirit to reveal to you maybe some of the source of your discontentment. And I think sometimes we have to take um, a moment to really allow the Lord to reveal that because it's not always a simple answer. Sometimes it is. Sometimes I'm just, I just want something that I don't have. Sometimes it's deeper than that. Sometimes there's something bigger than that. And God in all of his goodness will reveal that to us this morning. And then when we release that to him, he can replace that with himself. Could we just place our hands out in a receiving position if you're comfortable? And just take a moment to ask the Holy Spirit to show you where your discontentment lies. And if you can give it to him, give it to him. Now I just want us to take a moment and practice gratitude. Just begin listing the things in your life that you're thankful for. And if you run out of ideas, grass, bugs, you can go anywhere with gratitude. Just start thanking Jesus for his beautiful, glorious creation and the blessings in your life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you for this beautiful valley that we get to live in. I thank you for the abundance of bald eagles that live right around us everywhere. Thank you for all the whales that we've gotten to see lately. I thank you for my family. I thank you for this body, for this family, for every person in this room. I thank you for this house, this building that we can come and gather in. And I thank you for this country that still allows us to do that. We have so many things that we can be grateful for today, Lord Jesus. And so we fix our heart on gratitude. We seek you first, King Jesus. Help us to do that. We acknowledge that our hearts were created to only fully and completely be satisfied in you. And where I have spent my time trying to fill that void with something else, would you help me to lay it down at your feet and to find the true source of joy and hope and peace and contentment that is being with you. Would you help us, Lord, to become the most fulfilled, the most satisfied, the most joyful people in the Comox Valley, not because of our circumstances, but because of your goodness. I thank you, King Jesus. Amen. Amen. Before we leave today, if you weren't with us last week or last year, Laura referenced something called Sell a Thing. And this is our church family project and priority for this month. What it is, is in rebellion to the spirit of materialism and to also raise funds towards a great cause. We're asking every household, would you just identify something that you could sell? Pray about it. Look around your home, look around your yard and your garage, whatever it may be. Um, find something that you can sell this month 
And then would you consider donating those proceeds to our Ukraine Relief Fund here at the church? And uh, this past week, I outlined in our dearly beloved that came through the e-bulletin just how that will work. If you want more information about that, refer to that. If you don't receive that, sign up at our office and we'll send that to you. But our heart's desire is to help uh, a couple that have we have helped rescue from Ukraine that are part of our church family now and settling into new life here. There's a lot in front of them in terms of setting up new life in the Comox Valley. So wouldn't it be like us to sell some things to create resource to help them? And if more comes in than is needed for them, then we're going to redirect other funds towards an organization that's helping 5,000 displaced Ukrainians on the ground through 100 evangelical churches in Ukraine right now. And I promise you that we'll be doing that together as a church family will be much more life-giving, fulfilling, and exciting than keeping that thing. Let me pray for you as we close today. Father, we give you great thanks for our time experienced together today. Lift our eyes to you this week in gratitude all week long. Amen. Amen. Have a wonderful week. Enjoy one another's company as you head out today. Thanks again for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged you as you live out your faith in everyday life. Make sure to download our church app by typing Comox Pentecostal into Google Play or the App Store to enjoy more podcasts, Bible resources, giving options, and more.